As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back into 755 as Real Producer Cam here with you. Some news to share with you guys before we start today's show. And of course, just no more than 15 minutes after we ended our live stream this afternoon on Monday, the Braves made the announcement that Mike Soroka is being optioned to AAA Gwinnett following a pair of sputtering starts, still shaking the rust off, but in his two outings, he's had an 8.38. ERA, 1.862 whip, six walks to five strikeouts and nine and two-thirds inning action. Definitely seems like he's still trying to shake the rust off. But as David and Eric talk about today, their Soroka stuff just doesn't seem like it did before the injury. But they'll get into that later in today's show. But also, Luke Williams picked up off waivers formerly with the Dodgers, but also has had a cup of coffee with the Phillies. And Giants, among others, has batted 234 in his career. That's just a hair under 250 plate appearances. Or excuse me, just a hair over 250 plate appearances. And then in addition to put a bow on this news topper, Max Freed has been transferred to the 60-day IL. I think this also isn't a stunner, simply because I think a lot of us had already known, David included, that he was going to be out until around the All-Star break with that forearm strain. So this too should not be puzzling to any Braves fans, should not raise any alarms as to the condition of his recovery or how he's convalescing. This is, I think, just kind of the the way things are moving. But expect him to be out through at least part of July. But this also begs the question, with Soroka and AAA free now, officially on the 60-day IL, what happens with that additional starting rotation spot? Well, ostensibly, nothing has been announced yet as I'm recording this on Monday afternoon, mind you. The A.J. smith Shaver might have a chance to start for the Braves. The really kind of, unpre- I don't want to say unprecedented, but near unprecedented rapid rise ascension by A.J. smith Shaver, where he pitched less than 120 innings of minor league ball to the majors and then had a great debut Sunday against the Diamondbacks where he pitched two and a third's inning of action with three strikeouts has opened the door for him. And I think just the talent that David and Eric get into on today's show, what they saw from him in his Sunday debut, 
really causes you to salivate. So is there a chance? Yes. Is anything confirmed? No. But with that, I'm going to step aside and hand the baton over to David and Eric for today's show, where again, they get into Mike Soroka and his stuff, AJ Smith-Shaver, the West Coast trip as a whole, Marcelo Ozuna, and so much more on today's episode of 755 is Real. It was an eventful trip for the Braves. It started out like it was going to be one of the worst trips in recent memory <laughs> and finished on such a high note that it ended up being an okay trip. I mean, if you just say split a West Coast trip in years past, the Braves would be happy with a split of a West Coast trip, whether it was six games or 12 games or whatever it was, you know. Um, granted, you wanted to win the series against Oakland because Oakland is just a terrible team, but you didn't. You lost two out of three there. But then you go to Arizona against a team that was tied with the Dodgers for the best record in the NL, just ahead of the half game ahead of the Braves, and take two out of three from them, including winning the game started by Zach Gallon. We we talked about in the last podcast, who's been far and away the best home park pitcher in the majors this year, not even close. And you beat yeah. you won the you didn't beat him, but yeah. he gave up three runs, as many as he'd given up all year at home. Uh, and you got him out of the game and got more off the pen and won the game. Big win for the Braves yesterday against Gallon and that bullpen to to win two in a row, capture that series, and go three and three on a trip. Yeah, that was huge. Um, and the way you know, it's those are the type of wins Rosario coming up big like that that kind of get you going. You know, I mean, if you wind up losing that one, you come home like two and four trip. We suck. Got to deal with it, but you you get to have a nice happy flight after a, a win like that, and those things build momentum. Rosario, for those who uh, might have missed it and haven't heard for some reason, grand slam of the ninth with two out to give the Braves an eight to five win over the Diamondbacks. And that place, you would have thought you were in Atlanta because that place erupted when he hit that grand slam. There's a lot of Braves fans at those games out west that going back still linking to the Braves from the TBS era when, yep. when the Braves were the only team. A lot of those people got to see who didn't live anywhere near a major league park. So that was their team. Uh, de facto team. Um, kind of like me when I lived in Kansas. I, got, I saw the Braves on TV when you couldn't see the Royals on TV in my part of the state. So, you know, a lot of people like that around the country. Um, but and they're huge, playing at 4 o'clock on the West Coast. 4 o'clock in the West Coast. Huge win for the Braves. Rosario, say what you will about him. Last week, we had we took a question from one of the folks on the on – the, uh, or earlier in the week – at the end of last week on the room that we did, because he was citing an AJC article in which it was a column. Michael Cunningham said that the Braves should bench Harrison Rosario, who was struggling so much. Well, that's why you don't bench guys like that. And Snitz loyalty more often than not, it's paid off. Uh, it's paid back. And Rosario had a huge weekend, two home runs Saturday, and then the huge grand slam on Sunday. And I think he's leading the majors with three home runs in June right now. But the guy's got the clutch gene, man. We saw that in the postseason. And last year was a wash because of the, the eye surgery. You throw that out. And now it looks like he's getting back to being the Eddie Rosario that we saw after the trade uh, in 2021 when he helped the Braves win a World Series. You know, it's it's funny because I feel like every team that really goes deep into the postseason, there's always a, like the Dodgers when they had Kike Hernandez. He'd always come up with some – maybe he's hitting 250 yeah. on the year or whatever it is, but he comes up in some big situation and gets some big knock. And it's a lot of times it's those guys – I mean, because you can't dictate who's up with the game on the line. But it seems like every team that goes deep has a guy like an Eric Hinsky or something like that that 
is just they they just don't have a pulse in those big situations, yeah. and they wind up getting a huge knock that you know I mean just just keeps things going and gets the team going. And I feel like Eddie's been that guy. Yeah, anybody in athletics just about will agree with you uh, and agree with my assertion that there is such a thing as the clutch gene. I mean, it's not technically the clutch gene, but it's simply there are people who can perform when pressure is high and there are people who don't. And if anybody could, then there wouldn't be anything to the concept of stage fright in acting. You put a put an average person on a stage in front of a Broadway audience, they're going to be terrified. Even if they've yep. got the note, the the lines memorized, there are going to be other people who who act like they're sitting in a living room at home and can perform in front of those people, like the, like they're not there. There are people like Michael Jordan who step up when the game. They're great all the time, but when the game's on the line, they Things make a down. they make yep. a shot like against Cleveland coming across the lane where you're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And it lives yeah. forever. So yeah. there's something to that. And this is a much smaller scale. I mean, a regular season game against Arizona. But coming through with a grand slam to the outs. ninth inning with two outs and your team down by three runs, that's pretty clutch, man. And he's done that a lot of times in his career, even in his years with the Braves, his brief years with the Braves. Yeah, I mean, and, and vice versa. There's players that put up their numbers and they score yeah. a huge war. But you know, you know, when it's on the other team or on your own team, who you want up with the game on the line. There's certain guys I played with, and I'm like, shit, he's gonna go, he's gonna try to go deep here. He's gonna roll into a double play. You know, and that fans love him, the stats love him, everything's great about him, but they come up in that big situation in the seventh inning, they roll into a double play. Everybody forgets about it by the end of the game because they went two for four with a homer. But we know, you know, when it's a guy on another team, you know who's going to get big. And when it's your own teammate, you know who's going to try to do too much or let the situation get to him. And then there's the guys that just stay calm, you know, stay within themselves, put a good swing on it. Next thing you know, it goes out. Yeah. I think if people uh, who are who are reluctant to embrace it or who question question that should forget the the concept, the, uh, the the phrase clutch gene and just think of what psychologists have always recognized as performance anxiety. It yep. exists in all of our lives. Think yep. about you and your and the average person out there in their daily job. If you face deadline pressure in any job that you have, man, your body does things when you're on deadline. It happens to me. I've done this for, I've done baseball writing for 29 years. And there are still moments, especially when I was having to write game stories at the AJC, when the game turns in the ninth yeah. inning on a hit, when yeah. your whole body <laughs> You can start to feel like you're shaking a little bit. You got to go, all right, calm down, calm down. You got to quickly rewrite your story. Yeah. It's the same thing magnified on a big stage of sports. A golfer trying to sink a, a, a four foot putt that he could make nine times out of 10. Yeah. You know, but when the whole tournament's on the line, there is anxiety there, man. And anxiety will overtake your body. Yep. With a lot, with the average person. Stiffen up, overthinking. I mean, if you watch an NBA player shoot pregame, yeah, they don't miss. Yeah, and then they get they get a wide open shot in the game, you know, and it's like too much time time for them to think or don't mess it up. Or and all of a sudden, throws. free throws. I mean, those guys can sink a hundred in a row. Game on the line. Yeah, like it's a real thing. You know, it's I a just, very real thing. And the people who those people that we recognize as the very best at performing in clutch situations. Their bodies are not uh, obviously. Are, if we could get inside their bodies and feel it, 
I'd love to see how they do not respond like a normal person to that anxiety where it starts to do things to your body and your fingertips are kind of shaking and you're just feeling kind of queasy and you got to go, all right, deep breath. They're able to kind of push that aside. And some of them thrive in those, you know, moments. Most of the time it's just, they perform at their same level and it feels like the same. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the entire thing I talk about with wanting to see how not getting too excited about prospects until they come up. Because when you first get called up every at bat, feels every at bat and every pitch you throw feels like bases loaded bottom nine game of the line. Yeah. Because your whole career and everything's been, you know, channeled into this moment and you want to make it work and you want to be good. And yeah, you're not used to that third deck or 40,000 fans. And all of a sudden it feels like that regardless. I mean, it's the first inning you're starting the game first hitter, but it feels like bottom nine, two outs yeah. bases loaded from, from day one. And then eventually you know, you go through it enough to where you're able to slow it down and figure yourself out, or you don't, and you go back to AAA. Uh, for Rosario, this could, this could be a big turn for the Braves if Rosario is back, is getting back to where he was because, I mean, obviously left field has been a void for them for much of this year. They've had to piecemeal it. Um, if you could use him on a regular basis and not have to strictly platoon it, um, his last six games – Beginning with the, uh, let's see, the first game in Oakland, didn't play the second game, but he's played five of the last six games. And in his last six games, actually beginning with the last game of the Phillies series, he is uh, 10 for 24. That's a 417 average. He's got two doubles, a triple, three home runs, seven RBIs, 1375 OPS. So in six games, but that's big time uh, development if the Braves can get him going. One more big piece in the bottom half of that lineup. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There were a few big developments out there. Um, you could argue none bigger than the emergence, the debut of uh, A.J. smith Shaver yesterday. We talked about him on the last podcast. He got called up after, I mean, you don't want to say meteoric because that meteoric means he's going to come down fast. And the Braves don't hope this guy doesn't come down for a long time. But uh, rapid ascend, man, this is as quick an ascendance as I've ever seen. It made Striders look uh, patient by comparison. 110 total innings in the minor leagues for this guy, 20 years old, was literally graduating from high school two years ago this month. And he's pitching against the Arizona Diamondbacks in his major league debut, retires seven of the eight guys he faced, strikes out three of the first six, and was easy gas at 95, 97 miles an hour with that fastball. So athletic. 
And he, again, like along the lines we're talking, you know, and I've talked about that deer in the headlights. Look, he looked comfy. Yeah. You know, he didn't look sped up at all. Big time high school quarterback in Texas could have gone to Texas A&M and played both sports. Um, can, can reportedly throw a football about 75 yards, 70, 75 yards, throw it 50 yards from his knees. So there's that arm strength. I mean, that's freakish arm strength. And he's a guy that's, uh, not a real huge guy, this wiry, athletic-looking guy. He's like 6'4", 210 pounds. Looks like he could easily carry another 15 pounds as he gets older and develops more. I mean, not that you need him to, but I mean, yeah. just this is a kid. Don't change a thing. Right, this is a kid that's blessed, man. That's a bot. That's an arm that works, as they say, that works beautifully. My whole body's working. Could be a huge, huge piece for the Braves down the stretch, either as – a multi-inning reliever. We talked about what that gives him, what that gives the Braves, because they had lacked that lately. Some guys got hurt. Um, you can't keep leaning on the same guys to go two, three innings. And for him to be able to step in yesterday after the early exit of Soroka and to knock out two and two-thirds innings uh, or two and a third, that was that was really big at a critical part of the game, too. Not, you know, just jump time. That was those yeah. were big outs that he got. Well, especially with this lineup, you know, I mean, they haven't done it as much this year, but this team's known for coming back late. Right. And you don't get a lot of credit for it out of the pen, you know, keeping it close, you know, keeping it close guys, not getting a lot of glory. But if you can keep this team in those games and keep it to one run, two runs, even three, you know, I mean, you you wind up getting an ending like you did last night, but there's nothing more of a buzzkill and a the game's over when you have a reliever come in, you're down two and they give up three. Yeah. Like you, you're not coming back in that game. And so it's, it's not easy to pitch like the games on the line in some of those situations, especially for some veteran guys, but it, you start to realize it. Like you could rack up a lot of wins um, just keeping those games close. Yeah. Uh, my thoughts watching him were okay. He's everything that everything that we've heard. It's every it. bit that good. Yeah. It's amazing the Braves got him in the seventh round, but they got him by overpaying like four times his slot value so that he wouldn't go play baseball and football in college. Um, that that he obviously doesn't fall in, in line with uh, the need to pitch so much in a minor leagues because it's almost like you look at that the other way. Like you don't want to waste this arm in the minor leagues. If he's ready, if he's that ready to pitch up here now, and he's that rare kid that's not going to be overwhelmed by the moment, which yeah. he clearly was not. You could tell he it was wasn't a close game. Yeah. Um, and my other thought is it could be hard to keep him out of the rotation, depending on what the other guys do, what Schuster and Soroka do. And then you're going to get Max back around the All-Star break or so. But, I mean, he's the first guy I'm turning to if somebody else gets hurt or struggles for a few starts because I could see this guy, while he's still stretched out, yeah. plugging him in there, letting him go, man, because I – we just saw it for two and a third. I don't see any reason he can't do that for the first five innings of a game. Well, it wasn't like he was always oh, coming out of the pen, so now he's throwing 99. It wasn't doing anything. Right. He was pitching like a starter. Right. You know, he actually but, topped out at 98 in the minors. So, you know, he didn't even – he was yeah. 97-something yesterday. I I don't like to – you know, speculation or whatever, but that was my thought too. When I when I watched him throw, it was like, this guy's not going to be in the pen too long. Yeah. And he was missing a lot up. And I, and I, I think uh, Moilo mentioned that that happens a lot when guys come up in the first in their debut. They're getting, they're, the adrenaline's pumping, yeah. and that's the difference than anxiety. Adrenaline is like you're too excited, but you you, yeah. you want to get after it more. 
and sometimes and and you mentioned the difference the, in a minor league and the baseball. The balls are different, so you got bigger seams on those minor league balls. Um, so that I, for me, I think that was one thing I really struggled with when I first got called up, um, just adjusting to the break because you. <sighs> You can almost slip up a little bit with the minor league balls, and those bigger seams will track. Uh huh. But you grab that major league baseball; it's like it's almost like there's not even seams on it. They're so flat, so you just have to be more pure with every throw. And it's usually what I see guys struggle with is is their off speed stuff when they first get called up. If not, fa- if it's not fastball command because they're too amped up, uh-huh. it's usually the off speed, and you'll see it hang. You know, it'll it'll be it's not it's not as much they're scudding it unless they're scudding it because they're trying to overcorrect. But you throw the same breaking ball that you're throwing in the minors, and it just doesn't quite grab. So you have to just learn. It's like pitching in course for the first time. You have to make sure every single pitch that you finish. Um, could that have any effect? I'm wondering at all. Just because, and I only ask this because Soroka spent so much time in the minor leagues trying to come back at the end of last year and at the start of this year. He was on um, a rehab assignment, though, right? Or was he optioned? Soroka? Uh, yeah. No, he was not. He wasn't. So he, he was rehab. So when you rehab, you get major league balls. They 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 keep they give them to you the whole time. Yep. If you're rehabbing. If you're rehabbing. If you're a minor league guy, if you're not on the roster or doing a rehab assignment, if you've been sent to AAA, yeah. If you're not on a rehab assignment, you pitch with the minor league balls. I'm I'm just, I'm going to ask him then what he was pitching with because he came back, you know, through after two years on the IL, obviously. Yeah. He was coming back through. So he'd get major league balls. Um. I thought Soroka's stuff in the Oakland game was a little better than yesterday's. And I one just one thing for me that I've had, n- not a problem, it's too early to say that, but I'm just not seeing the same movement on his fastball that he that he had before. He saw, he's throwing his hard, maybe at one tick below, but not the same movement that he got before. I didn't see a lot of movement at all yesterday. Um, at very hittable, very hittable pitches yesterday. They hit a lot of balls hard against him. A lot of balls over 101 uh, in his brief time in there yesterday. I mean, obviously it's too early. He's coming back. It's uh, it's yeah. only two starts, but uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you think watching? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely. They were hitting some balls really hard. I always wonder, you know, and it's like what we talked about with Harris gaining 15 pounds or whatever he gained. You go, guys are just trying to get better, so you got to give him credit for that. But he did say he changed some stuff. You know, he changed some mechanical things trying to. You know, trying to take, I guess, just pressure off his body and ha- and throw more true. But sometimes, like, when you do fucked up things, it's good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, I don't know if it's – I think he did it for health reasons. But sometimes these weird things that you do that make you a little funky, those are those are good things. You know, if you're pulling off the ball a little bit and it sinks more, it might not be the worst thing ever. Um, I, know, I know that for me personally, I had this hitch in my delivery – and they tried to get me to fix it in Seattle and smooth out my delivery. And then the first time I was throwing live BP with the Braves, Chipper told me, Chipper was like, dude, that little, that weird thing you do, don't change that. Cause it's, uh-huh. it's, it messed me up in live BP. And so then I was like, all right, I'm never fixing that now. If Chipper says it's good, then I'm listening to him. Yeah. You know, he did it because he felt like he was getting too much into his Achilles when he was coming back. As he was nearing, as he had gone down to Florida to begin his rehab assignment, and he felt some soreness at the top of that twice, three yeah. times operated on surgery, twice torn. Felt some tightness, and he said, "I'm not going down this line, this road yeah. again." 
And he felt like his mechanics might have contributed to the Achilles. And we all thought, you know, all along it was just one of those freak things, but it might have been, you know, his mechanics yeah. over the years. So that's why he wanted to change. I'm not doing this again and can't blame him. I mean, once no. I felt any soreness, I'd be like, I got to do something to fix it. Yeah. Uh, and he went to Bob Keys out in Utah to buy a mechanics lab, spent four weeks with him out there, and they really revamped his mechanics. And what he felt like he was doing was falling off. He had slowly developed where he was falling off the mount towards third base. And yeah, so he's uh, getting up on his toe. Yeah. Right, right. And also he he was cross firing a lot, which can be good as far as the yeah. results you're getting, but it can put a lot of stress on you too. Yeah. So that's a tough spot to be in. You know, right. I mean, you you're obviously gonna choose health. Survival, yeah. It's like what y'all want to okay, let me go win a Scion and blow my Achilles again. So what what good does that really do for anybody? Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like a lot of times you do these things that aren't they're not perfectly they're not perfect biomechanically, but yeah. they're what they're what make you good. But if in his situation, if it's something that's putting too much stress on his Achilles, it's not even an option to go back the other way. Right. So now he has to figure out right. right. He has to figure out, you know, what, and it's only been two games, so it's not time to start changing anything yet, but he wasn't, I don't think he was putting up the type of numbers he was wanting to put up in the minors either, but you got to figure out, you know, what's my, what's my strength with the way I'm delivering the ball now and what can I do with that delivery? Yeah, man, it's a conundrum. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, The good thing he's still throwing plenty hard and he's healthy. So we'll see. Way too early to make any judgments on it. But I thought he looked good, both stars. Yeah. Physically, it looks, looks real good. Um, somebody pointed out that, uh, that, uh, that Spencer, that Smith Shaver actually had more minor league innings than Spencer Strider. Yes, true. But Spencer Strider was a 22 year old college kid, yeah. Clemson college kid in his minor league season. And it was a full entire minor league season. This kid was 20 and a high school kid coming out at 18. He pitched uh, in the, the complex league, made four starts in uh, 2021. Um, and then 2022 was in low A, 17 starts in low A. And let's see, 2023, this year he's at three levels, high A, double A. Triple A. So by comparison is what I'm doing is, you know, you saw a full, you saw a full minor league season from a college kid at 22 years old. And this kid was 20 would have been basically a freshman, sophomore at Clemson, you know, if, if, if he was doing what he's doing and 110 pro innings for a guy that didn't pitch until his junior year in high school. Yeah, that's I mean, like that's, lifetime in his probably that's 200. Un, yeah, that's unheard of. I mean, Spencer yeah. was more of a conventional guy that pitched, you know, in high school, was a top recruit, did the summer ball, all that stuff. This kid did not do any of that stuff, did not pitch in the ACC, which is one of the two or three best conferences in college, you know, which is yeah, akin that's, uh, to a low, low minors, like rookie ball, something like that, you know. Guys I've talked to say that those those levels of college that they're it's it's almost like double a that's what i've heard on like sec acc can be when you got your best starters going can be like double a yeah 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 that's what i've heard it compared to so yeah that's a big difference going big difference big difference huge difference um 
So, so the Braves go from spinning their wheels a lot recently. I know they've been frustrating to watch, and I totally agree with everybody. There, there are some red flags that went up, but yeah, we always harp on how long the season is, and you're going to have stretches like this where even the best teams and the Dodgers a couple of years ago, I remember, had a horrible stretch. You know, over 25 games or so, you're going to have stretches like this where because of injuries, because of slumps, because of both combined at the right time, you look terrible. You look like a team that's not going anywhere. And then when you get hot two months from now, it's totally forgotten. So, um, you know, in this case, it was in the span of six games. The the highs and lows of a season were kind of a a microcosm because you go from, you know, from after two losses at Oakland going, okay, this team's not going to make the playoffs. A lot of people were just bailing (laughs) on them. You know, they're now, they're still, after winning those two games at Arizona, winning the last games at Oakland, they are still 35 and 24. They're 20 and 10 on the road, tied with Baltimore for the best record in the majors, best road record. And they still got a substantial lead over the Mets and the Marlins. Uh, this is uh that's that I think we just uh, you, you can't stress enough to people that you you can't get so caught up in what they're doing on a game to game or even a you know even a week to week basis because they showed you know and for those who say they don't play well against good teams well they won two games they won the series in Texas against a Texas team that's the hottest team in the AL right now yeah and then they won a series against Arizona against an Arizona, Arizona team that was the hottest team in the NL. It, it, the Diamondbacks are legit. <laughs> Going in Good there, team, fun to watch. Is, I don't, you know, for me, it's that trip, getting in at 3 a.m. on the West Coast. It's hard enough to go to the West Coast by itself. So I give them a pass for that Oakland series. But there's – First there's, game especially, yeah. Yeah. They're sleepwalking. There's so much stuff that happens in baseball that the only explanation is because baseball. Yeah. You know, it's like – When you, you play every day, it's just so different than playing every week. Yeah, and just random shit happens, you know. I, you go, you know, as a pitcher or as a position player, you know, as a pitcher, you can go just cut through the heart of the the best lineup a bit. You could cut through the Dodgers lineup, and then you got two outs, nobody on, and Chase Darno Band takes you deep. You know, like what makes sense about Chase that? Darno Band. <laughs> you know what makes sense about that? But that's just how it is. That's the game. It's, it's stuff doesn't always make sense, and it's always baseball. You got to play the games and. You know that's what that's what this team does so well for me is they just don't ride that roller coaster. And there there are teams that I think you can see that do. They get a new lineup after a bad couple games in Oakland. They get you know they're bringing in different relievers every time a reliever struggles, and that's when you don't give your your team a chance to really hit its stride and, and be consistent when you're changing things all the time and freaking out. And guys are looking over their shoulders and wondering, am I going to get optioned? And yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, it, 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 if you think about it, it's like in the NFL, how often does like clearly one of the two or three best teams in the NL in the NFL lose to one the worst team in the it NFL? It doesn't happen, right? It doesn't happen. I mean, yeah. they play every week. They prep all week for this team. I mean, you have to really majorly look past a team to the next week and then have a couple of injuries for the best NFL team to lose to the worst NFL team. Yeah, but what if they had to change their quarterback every day? You know, yeah. play every day. You know, if Brady can't go to quarter to quarter, yeah, yeah, or quarterbacks ran out of gas. You know, third third quarter, it's like right, just, right. Russell so, gas. We got to bring somebody in. So, despite spinning the wheels a lot recently, they're twenty five. They're thirty five and twenty four. They lead the NL East by three and a half games over the Marlins. 
over the Marlins, second place Marlins, five and a half now over the Mets, who are having a lot of troubles of their own, more than the Braves have had, clearly. And then you got Philly, which has been a total disappointment. So that road trip began in very troubling fashion with consecutive losses to Oakland. Ends on a real high note, though, before the off day. It's funny, I had two off days in the, in the last week after having none for a while, and they won at Oakland the day before the off day in Arizona. And yep. when that could have been a disaster if they got swept in Oakland and had an off day. And then they won the last two games in Arizona to win a series before this off day. So they've enjoyed two plane rides and two off days here in the last week. Yeah. These are after last night, I was like, you know, I hadn't checked the schedule yet, but I figured they had a day off because of the West Coast trip. But I was like, shit, you don't want today off after that yeah. high of winning that game and coming back like that. You want to roll it right into the next day. That's tough coming back, though. You lose them three hours and yeah. Yeah, so you got, and then you got the Mets rolling in town for for a highly anticipated series starts Tuesday. Still highly anticipated, despite the Mets and the Braves each being five and five in their last ten, and, and despite the struggles that each have had, and the Mets being in third place. But Braves ha- certainly have to feel a lot better going into this series than they would have been, say, up two and a half. You know that kind of thing. Um, they're going to play a lot more relaxed, I bet, like they usually do at home. We'll see. They got a lot better. They've had a lot better road record than home record this year, which is one of those things. Like you said, baseball. Who can figure that? I don't know yeah. anybody that can figure that one out. You know, I've heard in the past. I've had. I've covered teams that didn't play as well at home, uh, played great on the road, and I've had it explained to me. And you've said it. You said it before too. That can happen a lot of times. I don't think it's coincidence to to young teams that have young families that yeah. have young kids. And that's not uh, to say guys shouldn't get married and have kids because that makes their lives well-rounded and they're happy. Um, and over the long haul, they might they probably perform better. But you go on the road, you get away from those 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 crying yep. kids and those five a.m. wake up calls. Sleep and, uh, till eleven. You're on your own on the road, sleeping, yep. doing what your body needs to do, rest. So uh, there was nothing better for me in my career than that feeling of, you know, getting into the city and just double dead bolting that door, blacking out the curtains and saying goodbye. Nobody was messing with me till noon the next day. It's just some of the best sleep you get. You don't get that when you're a, 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 a when you're starting a young family, you're a 25 year old kid, 25 year old player. And you got a, you know, a one year old kid at home. And you can have the best wife in the world. You know, it's just somebody getting in and out of bed all night. Right. You know, I mean, it's it's obvious now, and everybody knows it how much sleep matters in sports. But somebody having to get in bed, get out of bed, you get woken up and disturbed through your sleep, and you don't sleep the same. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. 
So, hmm, how do we get to Ozuna? All right, look, you're not going to uh, uh, just throw a guy completely under the bus because that ball is out in 26 of 30 major league parks. Nevertheless, Ozuna is a guy that should be beyond reproach. And for the most part, he has been in the past year or you know, since his last incident. The performance has finally come around on the field. He had a great May, was uh, instrumental in keeping the Braves' offense afloat in May, has been a solid teammate in the clubhouse the whole time since his two awful off-the-field off incidents. But yesterday, a hustling incident, man. It's not asking too much, and I know people are going to say, that ball's out 26. Okay, but this is not played in 26 other parts. It's played in this ballpark. And the fact of the matter is, when you hit a ball, and this is the same lesson that Acuna had to learn. Other guys have had to learn it. When you hit a ball and you think it's out, you can't, unless you're 100% certain it's out, 100%. you can't sit there and watch it. And this is a huge ballpark because of the tall wall in center field. So you can hit 415-foot balls that are going to go off that wall. It happens every series. It's not his first time there. It's not his 10th time there. He knows that wall is huge, and it's got to be above the yellow line on top of that. So nobody can hit that ball and know it's going out in that mass, over that massive wall in center field. You've got to run to second base, not stand there and watch it. In this case, he gets a four, uh, the ball was projected at 415 feet, I think. It goes, it clangs off the top of the wall. He was literally watching it till it hit the wall. He's standing yeah. there watching it with a bat in his hand. He gets a single out of it, a single out of that ball. That's an automatic extra base hit if he's just running normal out of the thing. And you don't have to sprint right out of the gate, but you should, but you at least while running, you know, so you get a double out of that ball. Ends up costing a brace because they didn't score in that inning. Everybody can say, yeah, but what are you going to third on a wild pitch? Are you going to do all this excuse-making for him? I'm telling you, he ended up at third, and he would have scored because it would have been one out in that ground out instead of an inning-inning ground out. Yeah. I mean, Snit handled it perfectly. You know, Snit's done a great job for me of embracing all this stuff, and we had to talk about it. People were mad at us when we said it with Acuna, but – you do whatever you want, honestly. It just can't hurt the team. Right. It's, right. it's that simple. As soon as showboating or something comes into play where it costs us a base or it puts us in a tough position, he benched him for it. And it won't happen again. You know, I don't think it's even that big of a deal. I think it's something that you look at that the guy feels shitty for. He pays his he pays his price. He benched him, you know, and it, they won yesterday. But it's just one of those things that you just it can't happen. Never can happen. Everybody knows it. And if you hit that ball and you're going to watch it, it's got to be 10 rows deep, 15 rows deep. It can't scrape the wall or barely go out just to avoid this moment. There's no doubt. I mean, and like you said, as long as it doesn't hurt the team. Do whatever I mean, you want. we've both talked about this. We both are old school and have come around as far as, as, uh, as, as the flamboyance in the game. I'm fine with it. I enjoy it, actually. It's entertaining. Yep, whatever. I don't have a problem with uh, if you if guys want to take 30 seconds running around the bases, which they literally take 30 seconds to run around the bases. And, and, and Ozuna is one that takes the most time running around the bases and does a lot of stuff. And Acuna does a lot of stuff. It's fun. It's entertaining. Whatever. People love it. Kids love it. I have no problem with that. This is not that. It's not asking too much to run out of the box and get a double 
on an, on a ball that banks off the wall 415 feet, and it cost your team a run. It could have potentially cost your team the win. Yeah, you cannot do that. Now, if you want to get, if you want to, if you want to showboat it and do whatever and uh, get thrown at, I mean, like we saw, baseball polices itself, and some guys are going to get pissed by that and throw at you or throw at your teammate. If your teammates are okay with that and they don't tell you stop doing it, I'm fine with it too. Yeah. But when this directly costs, almost certainly cost your team a run in a tie game. Yep. That's when the manager has to do something. And I was so glad to see Snit do that because I think Snit has has gone has changed so much in his uh, old school approach to the game that I was afraid that he was going to kind of go one of those instances where he was going to go too far with that and be too scared to take him out of the game because of uh, the, all the blowback that he got when they when they kind of uh, undressed Acuna in the dugout. And, and you know, it was pictured talking to Acuna in the dugout, some guys were, and that kind of thing. Uh, I, was, I was afraid that he might do that with Azuna. Um, and Azuna hasn't, um, to be frank, hasn't earned that kind of uh, – no, nobody get, should get away with that. But this isn't, you know, Chipper Jones. Uh, this isn't <laughs> this isn't Andrew Jones. I don't think it would have mattered, though. Late in his career, costing, you know, th- this is Azuna who should be beyond reproach. And it shouldn't matter. You're right. It should not matter. And Chipper would have never done that. You know, right. would have never done that. But that's beside the point. Just it ain't, too, it ain't asking too much, man. Yeah, I think it's, it's not it's, admire the home run when it's, it's not a home run. No, it's not. And it's like... If it happened again, for me, it's a huge deal. It's like, well, what are you doing? You know, right. but I mean, that's that's the downside of, uh, you know, everybody loves it, let the kids play and all that stuff. But every once in a while, something like this happens and it can legitimately cost your team a run or a game or, or something like that. And that's where you draw the line. That's where you, you know, Snit did what he had to do. And I'm, you know, nobody feels like a bigger idiot than Ozuna there. You're standing on first yeah. after you hit a ball 415 feet. Right. And, and he, he didn't, yeah. He didn't make a scene out of it or say anything. No, I, he knows. He's right. just gonna. It's like he's gonna serve his time. He's gonna sit on the bench. He's gonna feel bad. Right. Feel, you feel like an idiot the whole day. You know, I'm sure his teammates are gonna talk to him and make fun of him for that for months. Right. And, and that's the thing. Is and Snicker said he feels. I'm sure he feels as bad as I did as I do having to take him out. And that's the way he phrased it. Yeah. And a lot of people say, "Well, Snicker shouldn't feel bad taking him out." Well, he does feel bad. Because he knows this kid has endured a lot. This guy, it's not a kid. It's a man has endured a lot. He's brought on by himself. I'm not defending what he's done. But he has been booed lustily at home. He has had a horrible April where he knows that if it wasn't for his contract, he'd have been released. So he has endured a lot. And, 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 And again, not defending anything happened. But Snitker, as far as a teammate, as far as as working hard, he's done that. He's been in their early batting practice almost every day at home games. He's in there early. He's really showed me something this year because he didn't do that in the past. He's worked really hard to try to get it back. And the May he had was huge. He had a big May. So that's what I think Snitker was referring to is it felt like almost like a step back, you know, having to uh, admonish this guy or publicly, you know, you're not pulling him off the field like Bobby did famously to Andrew when he was really young. But you're doing the same thing on TV. They said they know why you did it when it happens. Yeah. You don't move, remove your DH in the middle of a game when he's not hurt. You know, well, they're going to see each other on tomorrow. They're going to see each other on Tuesday, and high five in the hallway, and it'll be right, like it never fun. happened. You know, and that's that's the beauty of what Snit does is he's not holding a grudge. He's not mad at the guy. It's it's one of those situations where it's like, you know, I got to take you out after that, right? Right. <laughs> you know, I right. can't. 
Right. Sorry. And yeah, I'm pissed too. You know, as a manager, you're pissed off and it pisses you off when it happens, but he's not going to, he's not going to hold a grudge or treat him like shit. The teammates aren't going to be mad at him. They won the game and Tuesday it'll be like, it never happened in the clubhouse. You know, a lot of this stuff blows up a lot more outside, but I promise you Ozuna knows he was wrong. Snit knows he messed up. All his teammates know he messed up. Take him out of the game, make an example of it. And you have to, you have to accept that. And then tomorrow it's like, it never happened. You play ball. Yeah. No doubt, and he'll be back in the lineup Tuesday. Yep. And yep. Uh, and 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 so I don't I don't even think Snit will have him in the office. He won't need to. You know, that's just a relationship no, he has. It's already done. His office door is always open. If Azuna has anything to say, he'll probably stop by and, and apologize. Probably did after the yeah. game. You know that kind of thing. So anyway, that's the only thing. I mean, there's nothing else you can say. There. Right. I'm glad. I'm glad it happened because the what it says to both the fans who already, rightfully so, a lot of them do not like Azuna, and I understand that. But what it says when any player does that, if he just stays in the game and he's DHing too, that's the other thing. This is not even a guy that's out there busting ass in the field, making plays and everything. He's got one thing to do, bat like four yeah. times a game. It's not asking too much to run when you hit the ball. Yeah. So I thought it made a good statement to both the fans and to his teammates too, to let them know we're not playing favorites here. When somebody does something like that, it hurts the team. They're going to get punched for it. So anyway, that's how that went down. I, I thought he handled it well, you know. He did. He could have. Uh, you know, you can't pull a guy off the field when he's a DH and he's not on base. So you know, could have pulled him out of the batter's box, I guess. But that'd just be a dick move. Let him go up there, set him up, and then not so fast. <laughs> get back here. That's all you could have done, though. I didn't miss that shit. All right, you know, you know what you could have done was you could have replaced him on on the field. You could have sent in a pinch runner. Yeah, you could have done that. That would have yeah. been the uh, the equivalent of pulling him off the field. Yeah, but you're gonna pinch run. The, the slowest guy on the team for him. I mean, you're going to hit him. You're going to hit pinch it with him. I mean, you bring in your catcher to, to DH the rest of the game. But he's on first base. He's got a better chance of scoring than Murphy does. You know, Ozuna's not blazing, but he's a lot faster than Murphy. So uh, there's no, I don't think there's any reason to make it a bigger deal than right, it is. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it right. is we what it is. It, did. It, it, I promise you tomorrow, you know, minus his teammates making fun of him for it. Right. Kangaroo Court, if they have that. Yeah, it's done. It's done tomorrow. I'm sure it's probably done on the plane ride home, you know? Yeah. So, anyway, that was the other thing that came out of that game. And that would have been a lot bigger deal if they lost that game. It really would have been. It really would have been. Yeah. Um, Also, somebody somebody, uh, pointed out on here that Eddie Rosario has also looked good in the field. And he has, man. He's made a couple of nice catches. I mean, he's always an adventure out there because he makes up for some bad reads. Um, he doesn't have those with great athleticism. He gets to a lot of balls and once he gets to him, he can make some pretty acrobatic catches that that not, not a lot of guys could do. So he has, uh, he he doesn't have a good arm, but you know, you can live with that when he's making the catches he's supposed to make. Hey, he does a good job though on balls off the wall, getting them in quick. He doesn't can him, but he plays it well and he gets rid of it. He makes those plays close, like a hard double off the left field wall. But going back to what we're saying about him having the clutch gene, having the, being able to perform under pressure eighth inning or later. I looked this up yesterday, eighth inning or later, he's second in the national league. Now with a 1239 OPS eighth inning behind only Nolan Gorman of the Cardinals among qualifiers. Eddie is 11 for 30, 367, seven extra base hits, including three homers in the eighth inning or later. Yeah. And a brace have got in the national league, Sean Murphy and Ozzie Albies are fifth and sixth in that category 
both with with uh, OPS is just over a thousand, just under eleven hundred. Matt Olson is twelfth, by the way, at nine seventy four. If you stretch that out a little bit, make it seventh inning or later, you're not going to be surprised who's leading the majors in that. Cunha, no. Freddie. No, Freddie. Oh, I thought uh, I was thinking Braves only. Yeah. Yeah, Freddie. He's uh he's a good player. <laughs> Pretty good hitter. <laughs> so um yeah, we went over the Soroka mechanics a little bit. Uh was there anything else that I was jumped off about off, off the page? Just the continued uh man, the, the continued performance of Jesse Chavez and and uh <laughs> at at Closing almost at approaching 40 years old to have you one of your best. He's been one of the best relievers in the league this year. Statistically, yeah. he's one of one of the best relievers in the league. And the Braves, he came on a minor league contract this year. Yep. But to see what him and Charlie Morton are doing at 39, it's it's something, man. And they're so both so big for this team. Even if they were performing at slightly under. Yeah. Under war, uh, two pros. Yeah, they're just pros. They're just they're doing so much to for this team on and off the field that uh, huge. Both of them at thirty nine years old, and those are contracts. Especially Charlie's. Nobody questioned Eddie's. I mean uh, Jesse's because it was a minor league deal, but uh, you know he's a million when he's on the major league roster. But or I think million some. But Charlie, a lot of people question that deal. Because $20 million. Why would you do that? We go out and get somebody else for a lot less. He's earned every stuff. penny of that. He, he's invaluable. And, and this year, when you've had a lot go wrong with the rotation, a lot of guys get injured, it just magnifies the importance he's had on this team. Yeah. Not to mention, every time he goes out, he basically goes six, seven innings, solid yeah. innings, you know? Yeah. And that used to be what you got paid for. <laughs> you know, if you could throw 200 innings a year with a four and a half ERA, you were making 15 mil back then. You know, I yeah. mean that there's there's so much value in what Charlie does. Charlie doesn't impress me, you know, age wise nearly as much as Jesse because Charlie's still throwing ninety seven. You know, he he hit ninety eight. He's got rate. a ridiculous curve. Jesse's just doing it with balls and yeah. more balls. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's, <laughs> a little guile mixed in. <laughs> yeah, I will say though, if you've ever had a chance to see Jesse throw a bullpen, yeah. The dude can – I mean, I watched him and Scott Casimir play horse one time. So they were both throwing their pens at the same time, and it was they were playing horse. And it was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen because it was like the glove couldn't move, and then yeah. you had you had to throw a pitch, and the other guy had to match it. And Jesse was just going backdoor cutter, glove didn't move. Front door sinker, wow. glove didn't move. That's change up, cool. Change up down the way, glove didn't move. It was pretty sweet. But if you watch him throw, I mean, he's – you know, he started for a little bit strictly because of his ability to throw that cutter wherever he wants, but he can locate everything. And it, yeah. when you see is when he comes into those big situations, he might fall behind a guy, Yeah, but he falls behind by centimeters. You know, it's, it's just off here. It's just off there. The entire time he's dotting up, he's just barely missing. And he's the type of guy that has a control where he can, I wouldn't call it nibbling, but he can pitch guys careful and try to bait them. And then if he falls behind the count, he can still come back with a quality pitch to get him out on. Yeah, He doesn't have to aim you know, to thirds of the plate to throw a strike. He can just bring it a little bit more over the dish, but still throw a quality pitch. It's uncanny how many times he'll come in and and 
not just uh, get behind, but sometimes put a guy on and make the yeah. situation even more tense. You're like, oh, Jesus, this is the day he's going to get blown up. He doesn't crack, though. No, he doesn't crack. And then he like, strikes two guys out that he has no business striking out. And you're like, he did it again. Yep. I mean, he's a cool customer. They're just there. They're, I can't think of anybody else like him right now getting by with the stuff he's getting by. Not just getting by, thriving. In yeah. big situations. And the other guy, <laughs> hitters just walked back to the dugout like, Jesus, man. How'd that guy get me out? Yeah. 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 I'd love it. it. You know, it'd make me happy if his stuff plus was worse than the league. You know, just to just to kind of put an emphasis on how much, you know, sometimes that's not that big a deal, you know, yeah. if you're not making pitches. But his probably not rating well in any of those statistical, no. you know, advanced pitch categories. No. They don't have a they don't have a ball stat. Yeah. He's going to get it, and knock on wood, but only injuries, the only thing that can stop him from reaching his goal that he had of getting 40 years old in the major leagues. He's going to be there in August, man. He's a, 40. He's an alien. He had his coach at Riverside College tell him, like 10 years ago, told him, you can do this till, four, till you pass your 40, man, till you're, till you're 40 years old. And and uh, Jesse said, I looked at him like he's crazy. I'm like, how? How? And, and the guy saw the mechanics, saw yeah. what he did, and said, the way you pitch, man, you could keep doing this till you're 40. Oh, he gets the most out of his body. I, when I saw him in double A, he was throwing 99 and at, at probably 50 pounds lighter than he is now. <laughs> I mean, he was like a 145 pounds throwing 99 and he wasn't, I, you know, he wasn't dominating. He was good, but it's, he learned how to pitch and, and drinking gets, how many beers a day, <laughs> probably 25 Corona's a night. He's I don't think he's drinking anymore though. No, man, he's made concessions. Yeah. Jesse, he's something else. All right. It's a very likable team, man. I mean, for the fans, I know that, uh, you know, that that part's important. You want a likable team, not just a good team. I mean, a good team, you can pull for a good team all year if they're they're good enough. But when they're likable on top of that, I think it makes it a little easier to go through the difficult times. And from people I talk to, they really like this team. They have a lot of likable characters, you know? Yes, good dudes, you know. And a guy like Azuna is – it might be a flawed guy off the field, but he's a good guy in the clubhouse, and the fan, and the teammates love him. So, if that's your worst guy as far as problems, that's pretty good. I mean, you know, it's funny too because from the outside looking in, the worst guy is always one of the media's favorites. You know, because they're so narcissistic that they can put that show on. Yeah, but but they're the guys that are willing to dance and talk and and say all the right things, and and then you think one guy's a turd, you know, because they give shitty interviews or they they just come off like kind of a, a certain way. Yeah. A lot of times those guys you think you, you wouldn't like are the coolest. And so it's always hard to gauge really what's going on in the clubhouse, but everybody on the, this team just seems like a, just yeah. a good, solid teammate, solid dude. And they're all in the same plane. Yeah. Yeah. I've, a lot of teams I've covered in the past. I've had that situation, kind of what you're describing where the, where the people from outside and watching on TV or even watching the exchanges between a player and the fans. So this might be a player that sits there for yeah. 15, 20 minutes signing autographs. And they assume that because this guy smiles on the field a lot, <laughs> that he must be the most popular teammate. And another guy might him. never smile. Another guy might never smile like <laughs> Nick Marcakis might never yeah. smile on the field, might look like he's just hates his job. Yeah. And he's like the most popular guy, respected guy in the clubhouse yeah. and, lo- and loved by the media, you know? He might might even give terrible interviews, but he's always there, you know, and and, and accountable. It's just hard to gauge that. It just yeah. really is. I mean, they've had. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but they've had guys on this team in the past that people thought were big leaders. They weren't leaders at all. Yeah, you know. And then a guy like Prado, 
who the a former a certain former GM said that he told Bowman and I that that's not a leader. I'm like, are you kidding? It told me that former GM had no no, it did not have his finger on the pulse of the team at all because Prada was the ultimate leader. Yeah, who transcended genres and ethnicities on the team. So yeah. it's just different views from uh, you know from from out from different angles from outside the clubhouse. And uh, but if you're running a team, all you got to do is ask the players. Exactly. You know, I don't. I don't think it's not that hard. Nobody's really going to badmouth a guy that everyone thinks is a leader and the teammates really hate. But if you kind of get like, a, uh, yeah, he's he's cool, he's cool, right? Or if you ask him a question and they jump out of their seat talking about how awesome and he's one of their favorite teammates ever, it's like I got to keep this guy. And if you're a GM and you don't have a group of players that you can go to and just bring yeah. them in one by one, just off the record, tell me, and they and you don't have that, Doing you're not going to have a feel for the clubhouse. Yeah, and you're going to have a situation like you had where you had a guy unlacing a, an executive, you know, dressing down Snicker and it being heard in the clubhouse and a player, Marqueca, so angry that he told them, you tell them if he ever does that because Snicker again, I'm going to kick his ass, you know? <laughs> I mean, you have a situation like that and you do not have that with this team. It's a total opposite with this team. Yeah, and it was no. the total opposite when Bobby Cox was here, you know, because – yeah. That stuff matters. And that's the first thing Except anybody for asks. Team that Bobby didn't get along with for a while. If you acquire, you Not know, some all if you acquire some all-star or some guy from another team, nobody wants to know is his curveball really that good? Or does he really have as much power as everybody says? There's only one question former teammates ask, you know, when you're getting a guy from a new team. They they know somebody on you get a guy from the Angels, you know, you got a an old buddy you play with on the Angels. You just say, you know, what's this guy like? Is he cool? That's all right. anybody wants to know is what are we dealing with? What who are we, who are we going to be interacting with day to day? And when you get that text that he's a douche or this or that, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. it's a buzzkill. Yeah. But when you, when you get a text from somebody you trust, uh, freaking awesome. The guy shows up and everybody loves him. He doesn't even have to speak. And that, and that's the key to what uh, Alex Kantopoulos has been able to do with his team is he goes to, he does the vetting beforehand. Yeah. And doesn't have guys. He makes sure that he asks those key guys, those veterans that have been around. Yep. What do you hear about this guy? He does more vetting than he needs to do because uh, than than the minimum because they don't want to have that situation where you get a guy going in coming in that's like people are going oh god I heard this guy's a yeah. dick he doesn't yeah. want to bring guys like that in and it's important over a 162 game season when you play every day when you're around guys more than you're around literally more, more than, than you are around your family yeah. for six months yeah it matters that much it matters that much it really does so all right it's been good. And we'll talk again after the uh, during or after the Mets series. They, they could go a long way, and uh, for either of these teams to win, to win this series could go a long way in setting the tone right now. And I think the Braves are going to come home and play well after that. Uh, after that trip, we'll see. I think they'll look at getting Freed back around the All Star break, and that could be huge if they get Max Freed back at uh, healthy. But yeah, you forget that they're doing this without him. Right. And what they've done with their starters have done without him and Wright. Last year's only 20 game winner led the majors in, in wins to do this without the, the Cy Young runner up and the only 20 game winner in the majors. It's been pretty remarkable that they've been able yeah. to keep their heads above water like they have and maintain this multi game lead. Yeah. So stay 10 games over 500, 11. All right. That's it. 755 is real. Thanks, everybody. We appreciate the questions and all that. We do read these comments over here, so we know what you're talking about. We appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks.